life that you have for us. We thank you for the great love with which you have loved us. We now pray that you would fill us with your love, that we might love you in return, and that we might love those around us. We pray also that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit now as we look into your word. Help us to hear from you. Have your way in our hearts and our lives. That Jesus might be our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in week three of our four-week sermon series where we're walking through the book of Ruth, a short four-chapter book in the Old Testament. I want to encourage you, especially over this next week, to read it and to reread it, get to know this book, um, pick out some key verses. I'll show you what I think are some of the key verses today. As I've been studying the book of Ruth, I've come up with this main theme. To explain the book of Ruth kind of in one sentence, the theme behind it, God shows his love to us as we show his love to each other. God shows his love to us as we show his love to each other. In the book of Ruth, there are three main characters, and all three of them had a need. The first two of them that we met, Ruth and Naomi, they were widows. And they were widows in a time where it wasn't really convenient to be a widow. Not that it's ever convenient. But they, aside from losing their husbands, also had no children to take care of them. So they were in great need. And then we met our third main character last week, Boaz. Now his need might seem a little less than the need of the widows. His need was simply that he wanted to be married. Although, for some of you who either are still single, or maybe for those of you who were single a lot longer than you wanted to be, you know how deep that need can feel at times. But one of the things I love about the book of Ruth is that God met the needs of these people through those people. That Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi all had needs, and as they looked outside of themselves, as they looked to the needs of others, they saw God taking care of their needs. And I love this idea, again, this main theme that God shows his love to us as we show his love to each other. One way, the wrong way to look at the book of Ruth would be to look at it and say, well, these these people, they just all pitched in and they did their thing. Well, yes, they did that, but please, please, don't forget God behind the scenes of all of it. God was the one orchestrating these circumstances. God was the one prompting these people's hearts to serve each other and to love each other. And in doing so, they all felt the kindness and the love of the Lord. And it encourages me so deeply to know that that can happen in our lives as well. That as we see the needs of people around us, and as we have the capacity to meet them, that that we can show the love of God to those people in such a way that, that, yes, they will be thankful for what we have done for them, but even more, they will be thankful for what the Lord has done for them. Doesn't that give our life great purpose to know that God orchestrates the events of our lives such that we can show his love to other people. So that's why I'm calling this sermon series True Love. It's, it's, um, yes, we're going to be talking about a marriage today, about a courtship, a strange and fast courtship we're going to look at today in Ruth chapter 3. Um, but this really isn't just about romantic love, not at all. This is about the God of the universe taking care of his people. So again, we've seen the kind actions of other people. We saw Ruth going to great lengths to provide food for herself and her mother-in-law. We saw Boaz showing kindness to allow Ruth to be in the fields and even to provide extra for her because he knew that providing for Ruth would provide for Naomi. That's where we've been in the last two chapters, if you're unfamiliar with the story. These two widows came back to Israel and and they they just were in great need. And and the, the landowner, Boaz, had compassion on them and, and let them have some food from his fields. 
But now in chapter 3, we're going to see how Naomi becomes one of the heroes. Up until this point in the story, Naomi has kind of been in an oppression. But she snapped out of it at the end of chapter 2, and now she sees what she has to offer, her wisdom. And in chapter 3, she uses her wisdom to become a matchmaker. Now, were any of you set up through a matchmaker? You don't have to raise your hands if you're embarrassed about it, but uh, I was. So I, I told a little bit about my story. That's good. I'm glad to see some other hands. I told a little bit about my story of how I met Christine last Sunday. I was a missionary giving a mission update at church, and Christine was there. And uh, I was told that she took notice of me. That may not be true, but that's what I was told, because there was a matchmaker there, somebody who knew me. In fact, she was the, the mother of my longtime friend and college roommate. And, uh, and she knew Christine as well through church connections. So she saw me, she saw Christine, and she thought, hey, this, those two should get to know each other. And uh, I was told that she wouldn't mind a phone call from me. So again, not sure if that part was true or not, but anyways, our story, I mean, who knows what would happen if, if that matchmaker didn't do her part in our story. So I'm very thankful for what that matchmaker did. So Ruth 3, it's the story of of Ruth and Boaz getting together through the matchmaker Naomi. What I want to do today with this sermon is I want to read through the chapter. We're going to follow the action in four stages. And then after we do that, I want to show you three, uh, three ideas from this chapter, three concepts that should help us see how this story relates to our lives. So first of all, I want to read Ruth 3, 1 through 4, where we're going to read Naomi's plan, her matchmaker plan. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, not a very subtle plan at all. Is it? <laughs> uh, she tells Ruth to wash and put on perfume and put on her best clothing. And then she was to lay down next to Boaz and uncover his feet. And in doing so, Ruth would reveal her romantic intentions toward Boaz. Up until this point, Boaz had maybe thought, oh, she's too young for me, because uh, there, there appears to be an age difference there. Or, or maybe Boaz thought that, that Ruth was still mourning the loss of her dead husband. Um, but this would be a, a very upfront way for Ruth to show Boaz that, yes, she did have romantic intentions towards him. And it's a bold plan. Um, although, let, let's not read anything more into it than what's said here. It doesn't say anything immoral happened here. We don't have any reason to suggest that anything immoral did happen. But if you think about it from Ruth's perspective, there was a real possibility that, there, that this plan could go very wrong. For her to, to go and, and uncover the feet of this man, uh, he could have taken that the wrong way. He could have called her out as an immoral woman. And think of what that would have done to this, this foreigner. Uh, it could have been terrible for her. But Ruth saw God's hand in all of this. And I think she saw that through Naomi. Naomi had this plan, and, and Ruth had committed herself to being with Naomi as well as to being with Naomi's God. And, and I think it's because of that that Ruth saw God's hand in this plan and, and therefore she was on board with it. So let's read the next few verses where we see Ruth's actions, verses 5 through 9. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. 
Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. So Ruth did just as Naomi said, and Boaz was startled. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and somehow you've kicked the covers off of your legs and you're kind of cold? And and usually it's just that the covers fell off, but here there was somebody strange laying next to him. And he says, who are you? Thankfully, he wasn't upset. And then Ruth, in in verse 9, asked Boaz to spread his garment over her because he was a kinsman redeemer. Now, we'll talk more about that concept of a kinsman redeemer in just a little bit. But right now, I want to point out something I pointed out last Sunday. That word garment there in verse 9 is the same as the word for wings in verse 12 of chapter 2. So I'll put both of those verses up there. So again, garment and wings are the same word. In chapter 2, verse 12, Boaz prayed that Ruth would be rewarded by the Lord for her kind actions, rewarded by the Lord under whose wings she had come to take refuge. Picking up on that prayer now, Ruth heard that prayer, and now she basically asked Boaz to be the answer for that prayer. She had taken refuge under the wings of God, and now she asked Boaz to cover her with his garment, with his wings. Because, again, this gets back to the main theme of the book of Ruth, Ruth saw God's protection through Boaz. God raised Boaz up to be the protector for Ruth, and now Ruth goes to Boaz and basically asks Boaz to be the answer to the prayer that he had prayed in the previous chapter. God shows his love to us as we show his love to each other. Ruth and Boaz felt the love of God as they showed love to each other. So let's see how Boaz is going to respond to all of this. Verses 10 through 15. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing, and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley, and put it on her. Then he went back to town. So Boaz is thrilled to learn that Ruth has romantic interest in him. And for those of you who are married, do you remember that first time that the person who's now your spouse showed romantic interest in you? For some of you, you had to wait a very long time for that. You were very persistent. Good job. Um, But isn't isn't that a nice feeling when you have interest in someone and they show that interest in you as well? And Boaz is a man of action. He's going to make sure that this matter gets settled very quickly again. This is like the world's shortest courtship here. We'll see in chapter 4 just how quickly he took care of that matter. But then let's look at the last section here, verses 16 through 18, and we'll see Naomi's advice again. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest 
until the matter is settled today. So Ruth gets Naomi back up to speed on the events of the day. Naomi doesn't need to be told twice. She knows exactly what's going on. She trusts both in the Lord and in Boaz to take care of the matter and to do it quickly. And we'll see that again next Sunday as we look at chapter 4, how it comes together. So that's chapter 3. And, and like I said earlier, I now want to show you three concepts that should help us to see how this story relates to our lives today. Up until this point, it kind of feels to me like, well, what is, this is a story from thousands of years ago about two people getting married. What does it mean for me? Okay, well, let's talk about that now. The first concept I want to look at today is action. Action. This is pretty similar to what I talked about last Sunday when we talked about hard work. And the idea here in the book of Ruth, is that we don't just sit around and wait for God to show his goodness to us. Now, yes, we believe in a God who is actively at work showing his goodness to us, but sometimes the way that we see his goodness is as we join with him in the good works that he has prepared for us to do. So we join with God, and oftentimes that means that we get to work. So God is a God of action, but we are to be people of action, too. Now, let me use a little illustration that might help you understand who gets the credit in this. So let's say you're sick, and the sickness has persisted for a long enough time that you finally decide you're going to go to the doctor. Now, you've been praying all along that God would heal you, but then you go to the doctor, and the doctor prescribes some medication for you, and in taking that medication, you get healthy. Who gets the credit for it? What's the answer? God, the doctor, I, I would say it's both. I would say that God has been there all along. He's been hearing your prayers. He knew about the sickness before you even had it. And God, you could even say, was the one who guided this doctor into his profession and gave him the knowledge that he needed. God's the one who provided the, the natural materials for that medicine so that, so that the, the scientists who made the medicine could do their job. But behind it all, God is the one who gets the credit. And that's kind of the way I see the, the book of Ruth playing out. Because in Ruth, we see each of these three main characters as people of action. And I want to I see how they acted with God. Let's start with Naomi. She's kind of the hero of this chapter. And again, if you remember previously, I think it's fair to say that she was in a depression. She was a widow. She wasn't feeling God's goodness. Let's just listen to some of her words from Ruth 1 and 2. She said that God had acted bitterly toward her, had afflicted her, brought misfortune upon her, and made her empty. Do you hear what she's saying? She's accusing God of not being good to her. But something happened. What changed her heart? Do you remember what changed her heart? It was in chapter 2 when she saw the kindness of Ruth and Boaz. She saw behind it the kindness of the Lord and she snapped out of her depression. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, that's when she went into action and used her, her skill, her wisdom, to be a matchmaker and to help these other two people out with their problem. You see, we all have something to offer. In the New Testament, we're told that every believer gets at least one spiritual gift, and we are to use those spiritual gifts in the building up of the body of Christ and to use them for God's glory. We don't just use them for ourselves. God gives us gifts so we can share them with the people around us. Naomi finally saw how she could be helpful and she got to work. But let me just stop here and speak a word about depression. Because again, I think that Naomi was in a depression. I, I learned something really helpful a couple of decades ago about depression. And, and I think that I have struggled with depression at times in my life. Uh, but this has really helped me, this, this concept that I learned. And the idea is that sometimes the best way to get out of a depression 
is to look to serve other people. Because think about it, in a depression, we get so fixated on ourselves. Am I right? We get so fixated on what we want and on what we don't have and on maybe even on what God isn't giving us. And we get so focused on that stuff and we throw ourselves this pity party. And sometimes the best way out of it is to get up and serve somebody else. And sometimes it's in serving other people that we see God's plan for us. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I think there's medical things going on in depression, and I'm very willing to engage in those conversations. But let's not forget God in the midst of it. And let's not forget that God created us not just to want things for ourselves, but to serve others. And I think that that's kind of how Naomi snapped out of this. She, she saw God's goodness finally, and she got immediately to work doing what she could do. She was a woman of action. Let's move on now to Ruth and her actions. Now, as I said before, she eagerly jumped on board with Naomi's plan, even though there could have been some danger in this plan. And as I said last Sunday, her reputation went ahead of her. Boaz himself mentioned that in verse 11, saying, All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. So she had earned this reputation as a hard worker, as a woman of strength. She's like that wife of noble character in Proverbs 31, working hard to provide for herself and for her family. And then let's move on to Boaz. Boaz, too, was a man of action. He's described in chapter 2 as a man of strength. It's that same word in, in Ruth 3.11 that describes Ruth as a woman of noble character, a woman of strength. Boaz worked hard to earn the respect of his workers, and clearly he earned the respect of Ruth as well. So as we talk about being people of action, let's look at some of these action words in Ruth 3. So we see Naomi in verse 1. She says, Should I not try to find a home for you? It, Ruth said in verse 5, I will do whatever you say. And Boaz in verse 11 said, I will do for you all you ask. Do you see how these people, again, they weren't just sitting around and waiting for God to take care of their problems. They were actively involved in it. Now, we have to be very careful here. It's not that we just go and do the stuff we think that we should do. It's that as we're walking with God, as we're talking to Him in prayer, as we feel led by the Holy Spirit, then we go and do the things that He wants us to do, and we give Him the credit for it when it goes well for us. So we trust in God to work, but oftentimes our trust in God is shown as we work. And again, this is one of the, one of the themes that I want you to get from the book of Ruth is that God is actively involved, but sometimes the way we feel that is when we work with him. This is, this is not a story of God just plopping blessings in our lap. This is a story of working hard with God and giving him glory for the good things that he does. So, we are to be people of action. And here's the application. We all have problems. Are you part of the solution? Sometimes, it's, like I've said before, it's too easy just to get fixated on our problems and, and we fail to see the problems of the people around us as well. But wouldn't it be great if we trusted God to strengthen us to see the problems of the people around us in such a way that we could be helpful to them? I think that we would walk around as blessings on this earth if we lived like that, and I want us to live like that. Not just thinking about us and what's wrong with me and woe is me, but thinking about what can I do for other people to serve them? Because what do the other people see? When we serve them, when we show God's love and kindness to them, what do they see? They see God's love and kindness. So let's be people of action, not just worrying about our problems, but looking to help others as well. And let's work hard as we do that. Our second concept today is loving kindness. 
Now this is what I think is the key concept in the book of Ruth. Again, it's that Hebrew word chesed that comes up three times in the book of Ruth in 1.8.2.20 and 3.10. So those, I think, are the three key verses in the book of Ruth. Um, But let me say this. Just because that word only shows up three times in the book of Ruth doesn't mean that that concept only shows up three times. In fact, I think that this concept of loving kindness shows up all over the place in the book of Ruth. It shows up when Ruth commits to go with Naomi to Israel. It shows up when Ruth volunteers to gather food for her and for her mother-in-law. It shows up when Boaz allows Ruth to stay in his field. It shows up when Boaz recognizes that Ruth isn't just working for her, she's working for her mother-in-law. So Boaz provides extra for Ruth, knowing that it will go to Naomi. And in doing so, let me just pause here. In chapter 1, Naomi said that God brought her back empty. Remember, she's in her depression. She's not seeing things right, and she says, God brought me back empty. And then, do you see what Boaz said at the end of, um, where, oh, in, in verse 17, Ruth said that Boaz said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. God didn't bring Naomi back empty. She just missed it. And she finally saw it through the loving kindness of Boaz and Ruth. So we see again that loving kindness shown to Naomi. Um, this loving kindness, this chesed, also shows up when Naomi plays matchmaker, helping Ruth and Boaz get married. It's possible that they both wanted that and didn't know how to do it, and it took Naomi to help them get together. And then, like it says in verse 10, Boaz felt Ruth's kindness when he showed her romantic intentions toward him. Um, now, it's a little puzzling to me why in verse 10 Boaz says that that kindness was greater than her first kindness. Her, her first kindness that he's referring to was that kindness of looking after her mother-in-law, this widow Naomi, making sure that she had enough food so she didn't die. Now, if, if me, if I were the unbiased judge and I'm looking at those two kindnesses, one is where she shows her romantic intentions towards a man and the other is where she helps a widow not die, I would say the greater kindness was the one where you help somebody not die. Um, but for Boaz, he felt that second one more personally. So let me use an illustration here to help you with this. Let's say you go on a game show and it's just going really well for you and the money is just racking up. And uh, at the end of the game show, the host says, you've won $100,000. And you're like, yeah. You do what they do in game shows. You jump around and scream and look like a fool. And, uh, and then the host says, and that $100,000 is going to go to your favorite charity. And inside you're saying, ugh. And outside you're saying, Yay. <laughs> But then the host says to you, and for your efforts, we're also going to give you $10,000. And then you start screaming again like a fool or whatever you do. But the $100,000 is the bigger deal, but the $10,000 you might feel more personally. And I think that's what is happening here with Boaz, is that he's seen this kindness shown to other people, but finally now he sees the kindness of the Lord directed towards him, and he's really excited about it. Again, it could be that this is an older man who had always wanted to be married. In fact, um, he says in verse 10 that he was scared that, sh- that Ruth would go after younger men. And, and again, I think that this all gets back to the main theme of the book of Ruth. Naomi helped Ruth show her intentions towards Boaz, but in the midst of it all, they saw God's love as they saw God's hand bringing them together and taking care of them. And they all felt this love. And as we think about today and how this works in our lives, we see that we can show God's love, his compassion, his loyalty, his kindness, his grace. All those good things that God has for us, we can show those things to other people as well. 
so whether you think about, like in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, all those wonderful things about love, we can show those to each other. Or you think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, again, all those good things that come from God, we can show them to other people. And one of the reasons that we can do this is because God loves us all. Do you know that God doesn't just love you individually? He loves all of us. And that one of the ways that he likes to show his love and his kindness to the people around you is through you. Amen. So God fills us with, with gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He fills us with his love in part so that we can express those things to other people so that they can see God's love as well. And that's what I love about the book of Ruth. So the application here. Sorry, that's verse 10. Application. Are you a loving person? Do you show God's love to others? Open your eyes. Look to see how you can serve. God loves to include us in his story. He loves to include us in other people's stories as well. The story of how he shows his love to them, he likes to use us in the midst of that. The way God does this is oftentimes through very common everyday actions of his people as we show love to each other. So again, are you a loving person? Do you show God's love to other people? So those first two that I've put up today, actions and loving kindness, that's very similar to what I looked at last Sunday, uh, kind of a repetition. But now our point number three today is a new one, a redeemer. This word redeemer shows up in verse 9. It's translated here as kinsman redeemer, but it's not a long word. In fact, in, in Hebrew, it's only three letters long. This word, uh, it, it shows up six more times in this chapter. It's not always translated when we see it, but I, I assure you that this word is a key word, and we'll, we'll see it again next Sunday as we look at chapter 4. This concept of a redeemer, though, it isn't really one that we have in America today. I was trying to think of what might be something kind of close to it, and one thing that I came up with was, let, let's say that there are, are children and their parents die, and perhaps the, the parents hadn't left a will to, to say where they wanted their kids to go, so the courts would go and they would try to find somebody who was near of kin who could be a guardian for them and take care of them. Now, it's different here, of course, because we're talking about grown women. They were widows, but they were in great need. You see, yes, Ruth was a hard-working woman, and, and she did a really, really great job of taking care of her and her mother-in-law for this, this season of time, but over the long haul, it would be really nice for Ruth and Naomi if they had somebody with more means to be able to take care of them. So that's what we're talking about here when we're talking about a redeemer. It was something written into the very fabric of Israel's life, a way for God to take care of his people through the, the actions of other people. So it was kind of a way, you could think of it like this, it was a way for poor people to get rescued out of their need by people who had more financial means, who had more ability to do that. But in order for there to be this kind of a redeemer, there had to be three things. A redeemer in, in ancient Israel had to be, number one, a relative. Number two, the redeemer had to be able to help. And number three, the redeemer had to be willing to help. All three things had to be true. And Boaz fits all three of these categories. We've been told at least four times in the book of Ruth so far that he is a relative to Naomi. And then we also have seen from Boaz that he was able to help. He was apparently a landowner and, and wealthy enough to have people working underneath him, so he had the financial means to be able to help. 
But then also we see very clearly that Boaz was willing to help in this circumstance. And that's interesting because as we look at verses 12 and 13, uh, I, didn't get chapter, I didn't get verse 12 on there, but we see that Boaz wasn't actually the, the closest relative. There was a relative who was closer who would have been first in line to be able to help Ruth out. But as we'll see next Sunday in chapter 4, that guy wasn't willing to do it. It was going to cost him more than he wanted and he didn't want to do it. But Boaz was very willing he said there, but he, if, he, excuse me, if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. So Boaz, with all three of those things. So Ruth and Naomi needed help. Boaz could and eventually did give that help. And here's, why, here's where this gets really cool as we think about this in regard to our lives today. We were all in need of being rescued. We were all in need of a Redeemer. The Bible says that we were dead in sin, that all of us had fallen short of the glory of God through our sin. And and that's no small deal because we couldn't rescue ourselves from our sin problem. Left to ourselves, we would have faced that punishment of eternal separation from God. There is nothing that we could do to make it up. There's nothing that I could have done for you or you could have done for me to make it up. We would have been dead in sin forever unless a Redeemer came in. So let me put up those three categories then, again, about what a Redeemer had to be. A relative, able to help, and willing to help. Let's think about those three categories now in regard to Jesus. First, he had to be a relative. In the New Testament, there are multiple descriptions of how Jesus took on flesh. He became like us, born as a human being. In fact, there's even one passage where it says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. So we see the very reason for the incarnation of Jesus Christ was so that he could become like us, so that when it came time for him to die on the cross, he could stand in as our substitute. Our sin demanded death, but not just any death. Animal sacrifices wouldn't cut it. We couldn't just give money to God and say, here, does that make it up? Our sin demanded human death as the punishment. So Jesus became like us, our relative, taking on human flesh so he could stand in our place. And then second, let's see how Jesus was able to help. Again, like I've been saying, it's not enough for any human to die for us. I can't die for your sins because I had my own sins. I could not offer myself as a perfect unblemished sacrifice for you and nor could you do it for me. We needed somebody who lived a perfect life. And that's why it's so important that Jesus was sinless, that he he never sinned, that even though he was tempted, he never sinned. And that's why when he went to the cross, he was able to help us. He was able to stand in as your substitute and my substitute because of his perfect life. Jesus was the only human ever who was able to offer himself in that way. So, I've shown you how he's a relative. I've shown you how he's able to help. But that's not enough. Just those first two things. Um, He also had to be willing to help. And this one becomes very interesting as we think about the cross. And remember that time, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew. I, I love this picture. Where, where the disciples are talking about how they wanted to stop this whole arrest and crucifixion. And Jesus said something like this, Don't you think that I couldn't call on my Father and he would not send more than 12 legions of angels to stop this? If Jesus was unwilling to help us, if he was unwilling to die on the cross for us, he could have stopped it. 
But Jesus was willing for us. In John 10, he said that, that no one takes his life from him, but that he laid it down of his own accord, of his own initiative. He willingly offered himself for us. Why? Because he loves us. Because of his chesed, his loving kindness, he offered himself for us. And as he was about to go to the cross, he knew that it was the Father's plan. And, and as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he actually asked the Father if it was possible for that to be taken from him, for that cup, I think that cup of wrath is what he's talking about, to be taken from him. But then what did Jesus say right after it? Do you know it? Say it if you know it. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was willing to help us. He saw us in our desperate need. You think of Boaz taking compassion on a couple of widows and says, I can help. I'll do it. And then you think of Jesus seeing us in our much, much, much more needy estate, being dead in sin. And then we see how he was willing to help us. And it truly is amazing. It shows us the love of God. And I think the cross, by the way, is the most loving act that this world has ever seen. A perfect man laying down his life for us. And in doing so, Jesus rescued us through his grace, his mercy, his love, his chesed. Although it's interesting, as we think about this in light of the book of Ruth, Boaz was able to serve as the redeemer for Ruth, but Ruth didn't just wait. She took action on her part as well. And for us, the implication, now there's no work that we could ever do. That's, that's different. It's so there, there's some similarities, but there's some differences. I'm not suggesting that we work to earn our Redeemer, because we couldn't. But Ruth showed her intentions toward Boaz, and we should do that similar sort of a thing. And we do that by placing our faith in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. He has already done all the work. That's another thing that's different about this story. In, in the book of Ruth, there was lots more work to be done, but Jesus has already finished his work of dying on the cross, raising again victorious. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. It's all been done for us. Our response is to receive him by faith as our Savior and our Lord. I often talk about those two words here. Let me just say them again. For those of you who don't know, I want you to know that this is how you know Jesus that you receive him as Savior and Lord. For those of you who already know Jesus, I want you to think about how you could use these two words to explain this story to others. So Jesus is our Savior. That means he saves us from our sins. Again, we were all dead in our sin. We could not save ourselves. We needed to be saved. So Jesus came as our Savior. When he died for us, he saved us from our sins. So we receive him as Savior, but then we also receive him as our, as our Lord. And as our Lord, he is our master. He's our king. He's the one who's in charge. And we have two options in life. We can either go our own way, on our own path that we pick for ourselves, or we, we submit our lives to Jesus and we give our life to him to follow him on the path that he has for us. There's only two options. Jesus himself said so. There's only two paths. So we receive Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. You can do that by faith, you can do that by praying, by inviting Jesus to take his rightful place in your life, in your heart, as your Savior and Lord. But I want to urge you to do that. Again, Ruth saw God's story playing out. She heard Naomi's plan of how she could come to Boaz and, and show her intentions, and she did it. I want you to do the same thing. You've now heard the story of how God redeems you. I want you to place your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And when we come to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, we are redeemed. We are brought into rest. 
Did you pick that up, how Naomi in, in Ruth 3 wanted to find rest? She wanted to find a home for her daughter-in-law. And that provision came through Boaz. But for us, it comes through Jesus. We are to give our lives to him, and he gives us eternal life. So here's my conclusion for today. The book of Ruth is a story about how God takes care of his people. But in my first two points today, I showed you how God takes care of his people through the actions and through the loving kindness of other people sometimes. Now, let me be straight about this. I'm not saying that this is the only way that God ever shows his love to us or shows his provision for us. There might be times where God just, boom, does it himself. But oftentimes, God does it through the actions and through the loving kindness of other people. And I want us then to be people who work hard to show acts of loving kindness to other people. Because every day, God gives us these opportunities. And if we will see them and act on them, then other people might see God's love through us. And and again, doesn't that give great purpose to our lives as we serve him in that way? May God so fill us with his love that we show his love to others. And then in my final point today, I I showed you how the book of Ruth beautifully foreshadows our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. That just as Ruth and Naomi were in need, so also we were in need. And God sent our Redeemer to rescue us so that we do not need to be dead in sin, but that we can be alive in Christ forever. And because he lives, we can live forever. Jesus, who became like us, lived a perfect life so that he was able to offer himself for us and he was willing to offer himself for us. And that's exactly what he did. What a redeemer we have. We have much to be thankful for. May we overflow with praise to the God who came up with this plan and to his son who enacted this plan for our salvation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us so deeply that you sent your Son for us. And Jesus, we thank you that you came for us to be our Savior and Lord. And and if there's anyone in here who hasn't yet received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we pray that they would do so right now, opening their heart, uh, confessing their sin, recognizing their need to be forgiven of sins. And we thank you, Jesus, that you save us. We pray also that, that we would all know Jesus as Lord, that we would continue to walk around with him as our Master, that we would go on a path that you have for us, God. And God, as we walk on that path that you have for us, we pray that we would show acts of loving kindness to those around us, that we would show your love to people in need. Help us to see those needs and to do what we can to meet them. May we we be willing and able to help. God, we thank you for the many, many ways in which you show your love to us. We praise you for that, and we offer ourselves to you in your service that you might show your, your love to others through us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.